Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time again for Talking Wrestling. I am your host, Casey Corbin. Welcome to tuning in to the NSN Network, Never Sleeps Network. That's what she's called. The Big Ross Man loves me to plug that site, NSN. We are also on iTunes. You can find us on the old iTunes. Just search for Talking Wrestling, Casey Corbin. Remember, it's not talk and wrestling. It's not talking wrestling. It's talk and wrestling why because i don't want to pay by the letter all right i don't want to have to pay for any extra vowels this ain't wheel of fortune so folks remember you can find us on the itunes if you do so please remember to rate review and subscribe uh one out of three is okay two out of three meatloaf says isn't bad but hey all three is good to me uh i would appreciate that also, if you want to follow us on the Twitter, uh, we are at TNW Pod. Uh, on Instagram, you can check out our pictures and upcoming and what's going on on the old IG. It is Talking Wrestling Podcast. And also, if you want to drop us an email, hit us up on the old Gmail, talkingwrestling at gmail.com. I people am excited about today's episode uh this gentleman that i have as a guest today uh i used to watch him on monday night raw and i used to be real real jealous i used to say fuck you can do that (laughs) you know like this this can happen i used to watch him uh on other shows as well and and then i remember in 2005 i used to be involved with this show called television it was internet radio before the dawn of podcasting and uh, they they did a wrestling episode and my roommate was a regular on the show boomer phillips he was a regular on the show at time and boomer said and they brought me on as a guest because i have passion for wrestling and i know a lot about wrestling but the whole idea was boomer was supposed to keep getting the show off track because that would annoy me because i want to talk about wrestling and boomer would be talking about whatever else just trying to get me trying to get a rise out of me but what I was excited most about that day was when I got there and I knew he, I was going to be on the show with him. Uh, I got to meet the, my guest today. And yeah, I was just mind blown by his performance, by his talents. I was lucky enough to get to sit in and uh, and battle with him in a, in a, in a way that they uh, did on the show. It was good. They, they put the video up on MySpace because it was 2005. And the video uh, in one day went to like 78,000 hits. And that video is still on YouTube today. And it's up around 300,000 hits as well. And then there's another version of it that I'm not in that's about another 300,000. So that's almost a million hits. Well, I know, 678,000. But anyways, it's a lot of effing hits to watch me and this guy just do what we love and that's fucking around shooting the shit about wrestling so you know you're probably wondering who my guest is if you're not on the instagram or if this is your first time listening well let me tell you folks today's guest when it comes to greatest canadian impersonators you who do you know and who's the best a lot of people might say dan Aykroyd was fantastic on saturday live doing uh you know uh, the characters, whether it be Tom Snyder or uh, any of the other characters that he did over the years, you know, he was fantastic at it. A lot of people would say Jim Carrey. He made a, a living as an impersonator in Las Vegas, even before he really got into the whole acting thing. And uh, he quit that to become a stand-up. Or my parents will probably tell you that Rich Little 
has got the greatest Kermit the Frog, Ronald Reagan, and Bob Hope impersonations. But I'll tell you, my favorite impersonator is my guest today. As far as I'm concerned, he belongs with these names, and you're most likely seeing him on WWE Raw's War back in the Attitude Era. Today on my show, the forgotten member of DX, Jason Sensation. How are you, Jason? I'm okay. Thank you very much for having me, Casey. Hey, pleasure to be here, bro. Thank you for being on. Uh, and I'm glad that you're on today because you're, you're a little banged up. You uh, got in a little bike accident, yeah. uh, bicycle accident. and uh, Crashed and burned yesterday. Crashed and burned. You end up going head over. I would think you were like Stacy off Wayne's World when <laughs> she much. hit the car and you went flying. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. You know. Head first. Yeah. So, and you know, and it's, I'm lucky to be here. It's got to suck when you do a dive and nobody cheers. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. (laughs) That's a good one. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And that's crazy. And and I'm glad you made it today. You know, I was worried that you're banged up and there was some miscommunication this morning. We were taping. I was like, Oh my God, it's going to, I can't do that to you last night. I couldn't. (laughs) I got to keep my word. One time on, on another podcast called we watch wrestling that I've done. Okay occasionally out of LA uh-huh. uh, I told them I was going to bring Matt Billen I don't know if you know Matt Billen I mean, you might remember him he's a comedian as well but Matt Billen has ties to Stampede and also like yourself has strong emotional ties to Owen uh-huh. because when he was seven years old his dad would promote wrestling for Stampede uh-huh. and every year they went to the hard house and oh, he wow. became like Owen's number one fan. Oh, and cool. Owen would bring him in the dressing room, him and his brother, and talk to them as as Owen would be putting on his gear before the match and stuff like that. And like, you know, here's a, a seven-year-old and a 17-year-old most likely. <laughs> and he's just in awe. And Owen's just being so kind to him. And then Bulldog Bob would come in and freak out at Owen for having his fans in the dressing room. <laughs> and then they'd do this whole shoot where Owen would take Matt and put him up on his shoulders and be like, you don't yell at my my number one fan, Matty Billen, you know, <laughs> and and it's just like, and it's just, and Matt remembers that and Matt like, you know, so I, I promised uh, we watched wrestling that Matt Billen would show up and then when he was supposed to show up, he didn't and it didn't work out. I felt so awful yeah. and I was like, oh, you know, I don't want my rappers being the guy that can't deliver oh, and yeah. if you didn't show up and it was like, oh, but then that. you're here and eventually, Maddie did do the episode, oh, cool. and it was like one of the highest rated episodes because his story is very emotional. And if you haven't uh, listened to it, we watch wrestling also on iTunes. Matt Billen is the episode you're looking for. Check that out because uh, I'm going to be honest it, uh, it 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 made me te- it teared me up. It got me it got me really emotional wow. um, because like like yourself, uh, Matt was also at the funerals and the wakes and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's quite an emotional tale. Um, so when I say forgotten DX member, I'm, I, I didn't mean that as a slight. I honestly, I think of you as a D member of DX because of the sketch, the nation of domination sketch, which is probably one of the most famous sketches ever done in the attitude era. Mm -hmm. It's up there with, the rock uh this is your life which is the highest rated segment that's right and i think aside from dx going to wcw the next one that you remember the most is dx doing nation of domination Mm -hmm. so i include you with dx just like i include mike tyson and uh with dx and uh you know 
some could argue hornswoggle but i guess i should just start with like how did you get to the wwe like obviously you'd been watching since you were a child because Mm -hmm. we're about the same age Mm -hmm. like who'd you start with did you start doing impersonations of hogan and macho yeah i started with macho man yeah i was a kid you know and my my dad was into wrestling and you know, kind of connected us a little better. Uh, wrestling helped connect me and my father. Because that's the same with me. My mom used to watch wrestling with her grandfather. And then it took me a long time to get into wrestling. But once I did, you know, I remember my mom during the Attitude Era. She was, wa- even if I wasn't home, she was watching. Nice. You know, and she was wearing a Stone Cold t-shirt. Just, uh-huh. She always loved wrestling. Nice. So that was a bond between my mom and I. So continue. Uh, Sorry. Nice to hear that. No, not at all. Um, so yeah, my mom as well. I guess we became a wrestling family, and we were six siblings. You know, we were all there at WrestleMania six. Oh. But, you know, it's like I can't imagine the money they spent on having. I a- can't imagine that that that's so great because like yeah. I was in high school WrestleMania six, probably about grade ten. Oh nice. And I know people that took bus packages, but I didn't. It didn't even seem like Toronto was so far away to me. Uh huh. Because I was from a small town, it didn't seem like it was possible. And then friends came back with the swag and everything, and oh, I was yeah. just angry, oh, so sorry. angry that I missed that. But yeah, <laughs> that so you were in, so like Edge and Christian, you were also in the audience. Uh-huh. Yes, awesome. I was. Yes. How was that? Was it great? You loved it. Like it was a yeah, great. Yeah, it was amazing. And like I was sad. Ch- Hogan. I was cheering for Hogan. Oh, so was I. So yeah, I, was, I think Toronto's a Hogan town. Yeah, that's uh, you know that that's when I started to love the Warrior as much as Hogan. But I had to accept my hero as his days were you know starting to get numbered but um a funny thing is they saw how much memorabilia my mom was buying and they said we got to interview you for the toronto sun you spent more money than anyone here she said you gotta interview my son jason he's the madman so i got if you if you like i have the same paper of course of course warriors on the cover yeah. with the two belts and you turn the page and there's little me and i was like 11 years old this youthful kid wants to be the next mean gene and they have a little write-up and you wanted to be mean gene from the get-go yeah from, See, yeah from the get-go from I, I didn't think i had the physical attributes and i didn't think i could ever be a wrestler too either because i just wasn't athletic uh-huh. and i learned at 14 i had a low threshold for pain when i caught my hand caught in a conveyor belt when they took it out i i passed out oh my gosh it wasn't that hurt it wasn't that much pain but it was enough for me to make me pass out yeah but i always wanted to be bobby heenan like that's i wanted to be a manager nice. and i I actually thought of my gimmick would be the candy man and I'd wear a white tuxedo and slap people with licorice because <laughs> this was a character in an episode of Happy Days. Oh, nice. And I was like, I just want to do that character. I want to bring that to wrestling. <laughs> That's awesome. You That's know, it's kind of like character. a boss hog, but a little more cherry licorice. <laughs> whip them with the cherry licorice. <laughs> nice. I, I like that licorice whip. You know, because <laughs> I also start like I always dabbled in, in impersonations like for me, wrestling impersonations and then Saturday Night Live was another big show that influenced me to do impersonations. Oh, nice. But yeah. I never worked on them to the extent that you did. I never realized I could make something out of just trying to be my heroes, Yeah, you know, and, and you took something that I would never thought you could do and you took that ball and you, like, you know, you made it all the way to the big show. Nobody else has done that nobody and it's it's quite an accomplishment um you know like people try to get on these shows you know and you did try continuously right Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried like? over a period. It was, yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was just fun. I remember it as a fun period in my life where I, I just, I, my, my sights were set and I knew what I wanted to do. And this was from a child. Like, I remember all through grade school, high school, everything. It's, it's the, the, the teachers couldn't stand it anymore. I was just, you know, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. It was left, right, and center. It was 24 seven. I ate, slept, and breathed it. So, all my life, I knew th- that I wanted to be Mean Gene, and I wanted to be the next Mean Gene in WWF. But that was my dream. But I didn't know how I was going to get there. And playing wrestling with my brother all the time, I would be cutting promos and whatever. But I think what happened was I was watching Andre Philippe Gagnon, this um, impersonator yeah. from French Canadian yeah. impersonator that did, yeah. uh, that did the uh, we, we are, are the, the world, are the world. on the Tonight Show That's with Johnny right. Carson, and that made him famous. That's right. Yeah. So I was watching that episode with my mother, and I was so enthralled by this. I couldn't. Under, I couldn't believe this guy could do this, and I loved the song. So I was just so taken by it that I asked my mom, "How? It doesn't make sense. How?" And she explained to me, "That's his gift. If that's your gift, then that's what you can do." You know, then you could do it too. And I don't know what got the balls rolling in my mind at that time, but I started to believe I could do these voices too, like within wrestling. Well, if Andre Philippe can do it, what if I can do it? And it just yeah. started with Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and then Ric Flair, which was an odd one. People were all like, this is an odd impression to, to, to do. Yeah. So that's when I started like, maybe I have something here. I think everybody does Hogan and Macho. Yeah. They're very similar. <laughs> that's so true. You know, and especially the, the exaggerated macho oh yeah what i like are the just the the whispering machos the ones that where it's like well let me tell you something you know a very low voice and then all of a sudden <laughs> he good. freaks out you know like but i can't do it to the extent no that's really you good about, like i used to put an afghan huh. on my like i used to put my fingers through the holes huh. and that would be my macho gown and then I would put a bandana on with some aviators, <laughs> and then I would be on my tiptoes doing that. And you think, when was that? When you were a kid? No, that was last week in my apartment <laughs> <laughs> with my roommate Jeff McHenry. <laughs> I was like, it's the same Afghan from back then when I was a kid, but I kept it all these years because I don't have a macho robe. This is the closest thing I have. I have the T-shirt, but I don't have the robe. Uh-huh. But uh, so, so Ric Flair. But and then, how did you get into doing like your the famous ones, like the ones that you're known for, like which is Owen Hart, obviously is your most famous, uh-huh. but your Bret Hart is uncanny as well. Like, how did you get those? Seem to be two difficult ones that nobody does. Yeah, thanks, thanks. That's I appreciate that. That was a uh, 1994 when Bret and Owen were feuding, and it's just I was so into it. I was well, I was just so into it. Like they really had me going, and uh, they're they're promos back and forth i just started to i started to do them just to joke around so you would memorize the entire promo and then watch that and then you know get the the you know like their their facials down and their 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 you know their mannerisms i gotta be honest all this came naturally like yeah the the like i didn't even know that i do mannerisms and facial expressions until someone pointed it out to me Oh yeah! After the fact, like in your video of you doing your impersonations on YouTube, uh-huh. your mannerisms of Stone Cold are are just fantastic. Yeah, thank yeah. you. So yeah, but this came like naturally. I didn't I, I didn't sit down and practice promos. I know one promo off by heart that I practiced that I learned because it was so happy that Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan finally met face to face. Yeah, but no, like I would j- just 
do the promos and whatever and whatever. I would say whatever and just try the voices. Well, maybe I was wrestling with my little brother, John, and we had our own storylines going and we'd be doing promos. Or I'd go to school and school I used wrestling to break my ice with people i didn't know how i was a shy kid and yeah. i was made fun of in the early ages and to break out of that i used wrestling to i became the wrestling geek and throughout grade school i was made fun of but once i got to high school it became a gimmick that people enjoyed yeah because i had these voices too now i became like the class clown and wrestling was my gimmick so everyone everyone throughout high school knew me as the wrestling guy the wrestling guy so these voices would be used all day and it was macho hair flair and hogan and now all of a sudden i'm starting to come up with brett and owen because they were feuding and it's it was mostly doing it with friends and things of that nature but uh my sister made a call to the camilla scott show and it was like who your friend's got a hidden talent and she said my brother's got to be shown my sister laura my brother's got to be shown on this thing and he's got to do his impressions and they let me on the show and that was really where i found out oh my gosh when all the people stood and loved all the voices i was yeah. like maybe this can help me get in and be the next mean gene yeah and then and then uh at what point did like off the record come into play okay. like off the record for those of you who don't know it was a show on canadian espn tsn the sports network hosted by a guy who i think might be a vampire michael landberg <laughs> he looks like a vampire sick not weak <laughs> sick not and uh and he, it was a panel show where they would talk sports and he would have uh, athletes can and uh and uh uh, Canadian celebrities, so most of them you wouldn't know, and uh, or sometimes a low-grade American celebrities. Uh, I myself was booked on the show three different times and bumped every time, but uh, so I never got on the show. Um, but yeah, so so your experience with the show, uh, take it from here. What what happened? I was at the National Institute of Broadcasting, and I was uh, they make a demo for you, and I was sending in the demo. To WWE, I had met Owen Hart at a meet and greet. I did impressions for him and British Bulldog. This that, was really my foot in the door. Where was and where was the meet and greet? Where was that at? What? Uh, where uh, were you for that? That was in Ottawa. When do you the remember Corral the Center? What, it was uh, February '97. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. And then yeah, my girlfriend Teresita at the time she got me these. T- she owed me one because she kept me from going to the CNE to yeah. see when the wrestlers came to the CNE she made me prove that I loved her more yeah. to not go and it had affected me so but like I never got over it that she knew she had to do something to make up for that yeah so she got me front row ringside to a house show and a meet and greet with Owen and Bulldog which was in, 90, in 97 that CNE card was the 10-year anniversary of the 87 big event That's right. for, with Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan that drew 78,000. Uh-huh. Now, of course, I think the... Shawn Michaels and Goldust. Shawn Michaels and Mankind. Mankind and Goldust. was the... Goldust was that Gold okay. But still, they were doing those But still, feuds. anytime Shawn Michaels is on the card, that's something you want to see. Yeah. yeah. I think they did well. I think that was where they found out they were doing good again around that time. Well, 97, to me, is my favorite year in wrestling. Yeah, because, um, you know, that summer, 
in my home, small hometown of Iron Prior, Ontario, there was a card where Superfly was the main event with Metal Maniac, a guy he just wrestled everywhere. Uh-huh. And uh, I think Metal, Metal Maniac might have also carried his drugs. But, <laughs> um, you know, they, that's the guy that was working with him, did the driving, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, But also on the undercard, Bastion Booger was there. Oh, cool. Uh, which was kind of funny because he was really, he's like, you want a signed picture? I'm like, no. And I was like, I'd buy a signed picture off you if you were Mucka Singh. Are you serious? Yeah, and I said That's that. Awesome. And he was what? And I was like, I was like, I really don't think you're doing yourself any service being Bastion Booger. I know it's the WWE, and you think that's what it's got to be. But huh. Norman the Lunatic was a way better character, and Mucka Singh, you defeated Owen Hart for the North American title. He's like, I did. And I was like, I felt like I was giving him like a pep talk to maybe boost his self-esteem because <laughs> nice. he was just so depressed that nobody was there. And he was like, then he started uh-huh. showing me pictures of him and uh, Rikishi and uh, Yoko mm. in the back of uh, a limo. And okay. I was like, oh my God, the suspension, you know, like <laughs> the three of them. And Dan Severn oh, was also heart, there. You know? But most importantly, Jim Neidhart was supposed to show Oh no! and he didn't show. And I was devastated because I'm such a huge fan for the Heart Foundation. Uh-huh. And then the next night on Raw, he showed up with the Heart Foundation. There was the four of them at that point. Oh, yeah. And then he pushed somebody off the stage at the end of Raw. That's and right. And Neidhart rejoined the Heart Foundation. And I was like, I'm cool with you skipping Iron Prior now that you're back with the Heart Foundation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that year was so great. But one thing that upset me that year was because Brett was the leader of the Heart Foundation, I don't understand why they never did the heart attack. Like, Anvil, put him up! You know, and then Uh make Owen do it. Uh You know, if Brett didn't want to do it, but they never did the heart attack when they reformed. And I don't know why they never did the heart attack. I don't know. I'll tell you one time, me and the squeegee kid decided to do a heart attack to James Champagne in <laughs> AWF. Squeegee kid picked him up. I just, I just went for the run. I'd never really done it before. Oh my gosh, the poor guy's head hit the mat. He had a concussion. He threw up for the rest of the night. It was like, I didn't mean to even do that, but that I think is a pretty dangerous move. Well, I think, you know, like the thing is, it's like when you watch Brett do it, he comes down with the guy at a really nice pace where they oh, land yeah. together, so amazing. which must take the impact off the head. I don't That's know. Right. I've never been in the ring. That's right. But well, it looks I like went. he cradles. He cradles. He almost keeps his, you know, mm-hmm. it's really done so well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it, it's it is fantastic. So what was it like when you finally got to the WWE? Okay, so you meet Owen, you meet Bulldog. And you tell them that you can do all the wrestlers, uh-huh. and Owen starts feeding you names. Yeah, yeah. And at that was that the point where it was that when he brought you into the dressing room, or yeah. So what was that like? That was amazing. It was just this surreal feeling of getting it like a dream come true. Getting well, I remember the walk to the dressing room in the back hallway. I was trying to tell him how grateful I was. I can't believe you're doing this. It's so nice of you. Like this is a... And his eyes were not looking at me. You could see his mind was just rolling oh, on how I'm going to use this kid right and how, now. And how <laughs> he's just going to fuck with every yeah, wrestler. Exactly. He's like, this is the... God delivered me a rib on a platter. <laughs> totally. A rib platter. I didn't know him then or know that was what was going on. But the mischiefness in his eyes, that's what was going on. And 
sure enough, he brought me to each guy. Like, yeah, yeah, do Salvatore. He's sitting suit. Don't, don't worry. Do it to his face. You know, come here, Salvatore. Come here. And he had me doing everyone to their face. Do I go up? Do Ahmed Johnson? Ahmed Johnson looked like he wanted to kill me. But Owen was just laughing and joy. Anyway, it turned out to be a big long rib in the end where he, he told me how George the Animal Steel was his big fan of impersonations and everything. George was the agent. I didn't know he had, he you know, he could be set off so yeah. easily. And I went up to do George's impression. He flipped on me and kicked me out of the dressing room. And Owen <laughs> went running the other way. So, that's, but I met Carl DeMarco, and that's where I started sending Carl all those videos all yeah. the time. And then Carl would put me on a couple things as a you know I would do. Um, volunteer work for carl yeah so he put me on the shopping network because that's great the voices did get over so he he was starting to use them i bought um the wrestlemania box set of vhs oh my gosh off the home shopping network so don't ever think that they that didn't work whenever the wwe was on there interesting and when i used to play the downtown toronto yucks carl demarco was a regular he'd bring in clients oh really and uh there's several, many wrestling fans are also comedians. I remember being there with Ron Jostle and a couple other guys. I was like, you see who's in the audience? Yeah. Fucking Carl DeMarco. Should I do my wrestling material? I don't know. I was like, I'm going to do my wrestling jokes. Oh, so then it'd be like, <laughs> next thing you know, like regular people be like, why are there so many wrestling jokes tonight? And we're like, auditioning for a corporate or something like that. It's like, they must have corporate Christmas parties. Wouldn't you love to gig it at it? You know, <laughs> yeah. maybe I can get a spot hosting the Slammies next year. Who knows? <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, you try to be doing your best wrestling jokes with your, you know, in person, my, my wrestling jokes are horrible, you know? <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, it was all, it was very funny because we recognized him from, obviously wrestling with shadows oh so yeah. and you're in wrestling with shadows as well right that's right yeah I you have that cameo with cameo. the bullhorn that's right and uh so interesting how that came about um were you in calgary when that no, was because it, was it looks like they cut you into the calgary scenes they did. and i was like i always wanted to know like were you at because that's my favorite pay-per-view like in your house like oh, I love not the big four but just the, when they come in and the camera's shaking because that crowd is so electric. Yeah. I've never, you know, Chicago crowds can be hot, but nothing was better than that crowd no, at that night. Amazing. And it was just, you know, everything fall, all the stars aligned that night. Yeah. And everything was perfect. Like a perfect pay per view, four sh- matches, the main event. Oh, it's still one of my favorite matches because, like, when do you see a five on five done so well? Yeah, with all main event, with guys. all like main event legends. Like, the only one when you look back that, maybe doesn't belong in there as ken shamrock but he's a legend in ufc so yeah. he you know he's a crossover he does belong there and uh, the choreographing too like i think pat was still working with them then. well it's that's like, all in in wrestling the shadows as well where they oh yeah that's right that's they how show i know that, that. they yeah. show that it's a pat choreographing for sure but yeah because yeah, i i'm sad that pat's not there anymore yeah i think I'm, he i i think they they look it's been what 10 years since they sent him home or whatever yeah well, all this time, he could have just still been there. He still could be there. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just bugs me a little because for, for me, use up that mind as much as you can for well, us. Yeah, and I don't think it's like, you know, like sometimes I think Jim Cornette's mind is a little stale. Uh-huh. Like, I agree with almost everything he says. Yeah. Right. But lately, he's in this stupid feud with, with your friend uh, yeah, and, 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 you know, one of your writers, Vince uh-huh. Russo, which I think, and when you watch them both, 
One guy is calm and normal and not delusional, uh-huh. and the other guy is crazy. And he, and I'm almost like, is it a shoot? Is this all a work? Like, he, it seems like he's working it up, but I, I don't know. And then, you know, there's a restraining order, but now he's selling the restraining orders online and autographing them. Really? Yeah. So you want you send them out to Cornette, Cornette and he sends you a photograph copy, and it's like, thank you, fuck you, goodbye, and it's like oh Jim Cornette, gosh. like he's <laughs> these guys just will not let it. No, and I thought like, you know, it's like. I'm Cornette, I want to meet you in a park. That was and bad. like two thousand dollars, five thousand. Why five? Like who's putting money? Yeah. Where is this? Is this briefcase on a pole <laughs> in a park? Like oh, the old briefcase in a tree match. <laughs> you know, like what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> that went too far. Oh, it's crazy. But yeah, so what was it like to work with uh, with with Russo? And like, did he write like? all the jokes that you did uh, in your in the sketches well see russo like i i i i can't stand watching him get no credit and this is not just because me and vince russo are friends because you know we're friends that talk once or twice a year you know happy birthdays and christmas and when things are something really went bad we'll have a talk but we're not there every day to talk so it's it's it's, it's just like we don't talk every day we're but we're we're friends we care about each other but it's not because he's my friend it's because I was there watching him work his ass off, never went to the bars, never went to the parties. This guy was working 24-7, and he was writing for everyone. It was him who made sure everybody had a part on that show. And I watched this guy run around and sweat everywhere, and just everybody come to him, and he always had an open door, and he was always you know, cool with coming up with something for everyone. And so just... To, to for them to say, oh, it was all his madness, and we ought to filter him. I'm sorry, there was no Vince was busy with Austin. He was busy with Austin, and it was all on Russo to write. And there was nobody filtering his ideas. I'm sorry, I was there watching yeah. it. He was writing stuff, but right before you go out, I mean, it just bothers me so much that he doesn't get the credit he deserves. That's no, all. and like the thing is, it's like. Everybody focuses on his failures, but nobody talks about his successes. Uh And the thing is, is in life, you have to fail upwards. You have to fail to succeed. So it's like, you know, like, okay, so Billy Gunn is not getting over and he's not getting over his rockabilly. Well, then we repackage him once again and we try that. And now we, you know, like how many times have they've hit a wall with a character where they don't know the direction character should go into. Mm-hmm. So they just throw them in a, this is what we got for you tag team. They're not even on the pay-per-views as a tag team. They're in the dark matches. And then the next thing you know, these guys, they hit it, they gel and it works. You see that with stone cold and Brian Pillman. Mm-hmm. You, you've seen that with the new age outlaws and you've seen it now with Seamus and Cesaro. You know, like, what do we do? And and I think that's the best thing that's ever happened to Billy Gunn and and Jesse, Road Dog Jesse James. Like, you know, is the New Age Outlaws. Like, they'll always be remembered. They're still getting over. He's still Mr. Ass. He just wrestled in the Japanese New Japan G1. He wrestled Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's like, he's so old, but Billy Gunn looks great. Mm-hmm. And he can still go. And, and with a guy a like worker, yeah. yeah, and with a guy like uh, Tanahashi, who's the Japanese John Cena, pretty sweet match if you ask me. I wanted to call Billy Gunn when uh, Brock Lesnar got caught from the UFC. Yeah, 
I wanted to call Billy Gunn and say, Billy, you can have your job back because they only test guys that are full time. Yeah. Jeez, like, didn't he get let go for the same reason? Pretty, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he wasn't even wrestling. Yeah. He was only training. And, and like, why is a trainer don't, being tested? Don't do videos. They come back to haunt you later. Don't do videos talking bad about Hunter Billy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I No, no, it's true. It's true. It seems like. <laughs> they brought him back just to fuck him. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> just to wait till they could fuck him again. Rub it in his face. So, so, uh. Yeah, uh, so the second so so you came out and let's uh, let's talk about the DX sketch because uh, that is so memorable. So basically, for those of you who don't know, there was a sketch involved where Degeneration X was going to parody uh, the Nation of Domination, and um, each member of the nation, I mean of DX, uh, be the New Age Outlaws and Triple H and X Pac, all decided to put blackface on. And be the members of Nation of Domination. That was only impersonations. How are you going to impersonate a black person if you can't be black? Obviously, blackface is needed. Might have been the attitude. But however, uh, there were two people that did not do blackface in the sketch. One was China, who just stood in the back and seemed like, I didn't want any part of this. And number two was Jason Sensation, who played uh, the brilliant role of Owen Hart with the best jokes and the best impersonation. Like, were you backstage for this to get ready for this? and was Vince saying these jokes are going to go and how did how did that sketch come apart from a backstage behind the sta- behind the the scene view okay um i was traveling with them every week at the time so i think maybe it was a week or two before Russo says, okay, got an idea. So you wait, you were traveling with WWE? Oh, yeah, with WWE. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So I, maybe it was a couple of weeks before they said, okay, we got, we got an idea how we're going to introduce you now. So Russo had an idea. And he said, um, so, so we're going to, DX is going to dress up like the nation, but you're going to do impressions of every nation member. So you'll be the interviewer, going to interview them, and then you're taking the mic and you just talk for them. And so you need to learn all these guys' voices. You need to have them down pat in the next. So I had to go sit and hang out with Godfather and Ron Simmons. Yeah. And, oh, not Ron Simmons. Sorry, D'Lo. And I just hung out with Ron a lot. He was always awesome. But oh, yeah. Mark Henry. And I had to hang out with these guys to try to learn their voices. And when it came to the day of, China said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to dress up like Owen. And uh, they said, okay, you know what? We're going to, this was the day of, we're going to nix the whole thing and you're going to be Owen Hart, Jason, and everyone's going to say their own lines. So now I'm in a room and uh, Vince has to write everybody's lines right now. And it's all last minute type thing. So, wow. Yeah. Everyone knew they were dressing up, but nobody knew that they were going to do the impressions. And I didn't know I was going to be dressing up as Owen Hart. Yes. This is all last minute. Now Russo's writing the jokes for Triple H, and he's like, if you got anything, bro, hit me with it. So great. I, That's a great Russo. I was just hitting him with any jokes. So I came up with some, and like the, the grow your beard in, he came up with. The one about 
nose is so big, I can smell what The Rock's cooking. I came up. That was the punchline we were both fighting for. What, like, yeah. we need one more. And I, the nose is so big because it smells what The Rock's cooking. Bro, you got it. You you hit it, bro. So anyway. <laughs> I love it. So we were doing it. To, like, we wrote that. My seg, my part of the segment, we wrote together. But the guy, well, I got to experience his writing skills there. And he was just brilliant. The way he put it together. It was a really funny segment. He put that together in five minutes. Yeah. The, the, the lines, it was like, he was just brilliant. So you get out the there and, and you do the sketch and it goes over. The ratings for the sketch were through the roof, as I understood. Probably like the best segment on Raw. And Raw was so good back then because, like I said, like he wrote for everybody. And like I said, like Crash Holly's not getting over. Next thing you know, Crash Holly's walking out with a giant scale. Uh-huh. And he's getting over. Like yeah. everybody got over, and uh, I love, I love that. So, the, so, so the, you go back the next week, or you're still on the next week, mm-hmm. and the next week is my favorite, where you're you're sitting with Jerry Lawler, King. I, I, you're like you're with Jerry Lawler, Jr. Jr. was there, mm-hmm. and Shawn Michaels. I know. Like so, there's so three Hall of Famers, and not only that, like. Like, Jerry Lawler, if it wasn't for Jerry Lawler, Kevin Owens wouldn't speak English. So I love Jerry Lawler. <laughs> but the fact is, is uh, I'm a huge Andy Kaufman fan, so I've, oh, I will nice. forever love Jerry Lawler. Nice. And uh, it doesn't matter how many girls he bangs underage. I will always <laughs> love Jerry Lawler. <laughs> no, no comment. No. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is and, but then you have Shawn Michaels. Now, I don't know if it's like when you came down as yourself, I don't know how if you were told to play it like this, but you were pretty cocky, like sitting in the seat, like you had a, a, a cock, an arrogance about you, like Rick Martel fucking gave you a dose there before you walked out, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> but it was like you had an arrogance, and then when Shawn Michaels was like, you know, I, or the first time you do Owen, you just see Shawn on the end, and he has to cover his face, like you broke him. Like fucking Jimmy Fallon in an SNL sketch. <laughs> like he was, he had to cover up his laughter. And then when you're like, can you do Shawn Michaels? Oh, just, it's like music to my ears. That's awesome. uh, and, that but cool then, of course, guy. Owen comes down. Now, how real did you know that the slaps were coming? And how real, like, so before, so when it, you realized that you were going to be in a physical altercation with Owen Hart on Raw, and you're not a wrestler at this point. How does that go about? Like, how does that that angle all take place backstage? Uh-huh. I'm really curious about the backstage stuff because I love hearing about it. So that's why I'm asking these questions. Yeah, well, like I said, like I I came in looking to be the next Mean Gene. I was I I, I knew physically I couldn't be a wrestler, so I'm working towards that. I don't have a contract yet. I don't have anything that guarantees I'm going to stay with these guys. So every time I go there, it could be my last time. So I. St- you know, I did this impersonation last week. This is what they offer me this week. I'm just going with the flow. I yeah. want this job. I want this dream. I'm making it happen. So when they said you're going to get in, you can get put into a sharpshooter and Owen's going to slap you or whatever, it was just like, okay, I was just going with the flow. Like, okay, whatever, whatever it takes to get this job, I'll get, I'll do it. Right. So when Russo comes up and says, that's what's going to happen. Can you sell? Can you sell? I'm like, yeah, I think I'll just scream. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then he comes up. Owen comes up. This is all in passing. You know, it's not any, like everything is always moving. Yeah. So this is in a hallway, in passing. Hey, Jason, let's talk about this because we're doing it. I'm going to come out and slap you. Yeah. Okay. Here, I got a 
blood capsule. They don't want to see blood anymore, but I really want to use this because it's really going to put me over as this awful person. And that's what I really want to get out. So I'm going to, you're going to chew this for me. I said, okay, this was like, I'm going with the flow now. Now I feel like I have to listen to Owen. Now I feel like I have to listen to Russo. So I'm yeah. just going with the flow. Everybody's my boss here, right? So then Owen says, and you've you've taken a sharpshooter, right? I said, like, Back I don't here. know. He's like, you know, with your friends playing around. I said, yeah, exactly. I've. So he's like, okay, but you've never taken. Well, just so we know, we have it. Lay down. And so I laid down. And we're right in the hallway, or everyone's yeah. walking by, and I laid down. He's like, put your legs up. I'm like, okay. I put them up and he walked away. It was a rib. He just left me <laughs> laying there like an idiot with my legs up. Okay. So, you look like, like you're ready to go, like a, a horror in heat. <laughs> and people walking by and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Okay, anyway. So then before we go out now, Owen comes up and he's like, okay, so when I come up, he kept bugging me, saying, you're just incredible, right? And I'm like, no, no, it's Jason Sensation. It's so funny, because you look like just incredible today. <laughs> oh, that's, that's more interesting. More than Jason that's Sensation, so yeah, right? That, that because, yeah. old look. That's Sorry, so please go on. No, no, no. Sorry, Aldo. Please no. go on. <laughs> All good. I'm Portuguese, too. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, You are the pan-Portuguese man of war. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so uh, where was I? I don't know. So you, so yeah, so you Owen has left you uh, with the rib, oh, yeah, and now yeah, he's yeah. again again talking again. Yeah, yeah, about the slap. So he's like, "I'm not going to really slap you." He comes to talk about the slap, and I'm like, "Well, you do what you have to do, Owen. I'm tough, you know. I'm tough. I'm, I'm tough." And he looked at me like, "Like, what are you thinking, man?" But I, he didn't say anything then. But when he slapped me, it cracked my jaw. It was shocking. Like my head spun, and I got dizzy in that moment when I was laying there and. While I was in this moment of this is the greatest moment of my life, <laughs> I was spinning and messed up and in shock over the slap. But when he threw me in the ring, I was like, I was ready for the sharpshooter. When he started to put it on, though, he put pressure for just a second to let me know what this could feel like if yeah. you're not going to sell. I mean, it was like my body almost split in half in that one second. It was oh my scary. God. I don't think wrestlers even know their own strength, you know? Like, And I was this little pretzel. He was going to break me. You sold it. <laughs> like, you looked like you were agonizing but that, in it pain. It was the fear was, of the pain I had just experienced in one millisecond. It's you know? like when a parent only needs to hit, like, not that this, I condone this, but uh, a parent only needs to hit their child once. The rest of the time, it's just a fear of getting hit. Yeah. Of the that's, threat. Yeah, that's what it was. You know, like, yeah. So, like, I, my dad, was, you know, when I was younger, my dad's, you know, he gave me a spanking. Yeah. But I only remember it happening once. And that's all I ever needed because never mm -hmm. did you ever want it to happen again. Gotcha. You know, the threat, right? And that's, you know, so that's good. It's like, you're going to sell or you're in hell. You know, I'll really slap it on. So that's incredible. And that was an incredible scene because it was so great. And um, yeah. And then where did it go from there? Like what? Then they, they, they signed you to a development deal, didn't they eventually? Yeah, eventually. Well, it sucks because they and everything was going so fast. You know, the, the company, you know, everyone's always moving, moving, moving. And I, I got in. I was part of it. But now I'm going to every Raw every week. Or every two weeks, because they filmed the second episode. There. Yeah. And 
I'm having to lie to go over the border because it's Titan Titan Sports on the on uh, paying for all my flights. And I keep calling Kevin Dunn and Bruce Pritchard and saying, guys, like, I can't keep lying. Like, the, 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 something's going to give here. Hey, yeah, don't worry. Just keep lying and we'll just keep telling them stories and we'll get it going. We'll get it. We'll get stuff going for you. Anyway, long story short, I got caught at the border. <laughs> it was after that sitting at the desk with Sean and yeah jr and the, and the king they they said that the immigration comes out of their office they're like ah, we know you jason sensation we just watched you on raw last week you're not going to the states without a green card they they put oh, me in an man. interrogation room they pull all my luggage they go through it thinking i was trying to sneak this contract back into the like i went through this awful day and I was supposed to be at Raw that night, dressing up like Shamrock. I was going to turn Shamrock heel that night because Owen was going to challenge Shamrock. I was going to come out in little skimpy underwear with my ugly 12-year-old body. And I was all set for this, and boom, it ruined their whole plan, I guess. Did you have Shamrock ready? Like the voice? It wasn't even that good, but I was working on it like, get out of my way! And just a couple things that I could yeah. say that would sound like him, you know? Yeah. So I got caught, I go home, and Kevin Dunn calls. It's a three-way call with Carl DeMarco. And Carl's saying, you're, you're, you're done. They, you guys, he told you, you should have listened to him. Now we got to wait for him. And Kevin Dunn's saying, no, guy, we need you for Raw tonight. You get in a trunk, you go in your buddy's car, you drive over, we need you for Raw, we'll fly you from Buffalo. Carl's like, Jason, you want to ruin the rest of your career? You get in a car and try to drive over. They catch you. You'll never be back in the States. This is me, a 20-year-old kid, listening to these two fucking executives fight back and forth, U.S. versus Canada. I didn't know how important Kevin Dunn was. I knew he was important. I didn't know he was more important than Carl Carl DeMarco. I didn't know he was Vince's right-hand man. So... I went with who I knew. This guy had a presidential name, and he's the president. I know him better. Mm-hmm. And what he's telling me is benefiting me. What he's telling me is benefiting his show. So I'm going to listen to Carl. That was the last time Kevin Dunn ever talked to me again. Oh. I got my contract mailed to me in the mail then, so I wouldn't go to WCW and do any other voices. But that was the last time Kevin Dunn ever talked to me. And that was the end of me on Raw. I was signed to basically a three-year deal, so I wouldn't go to WCW. Yeah. That, that was it. So I was blessed there was a war going on. Cause. Yeah. Well, that's good that they protect their, you know, they sometimes they, sometimes like there, there's a story about, I think it's the Yankees, uh, when the Yankees were losing, or maybe it's the Boston, or I don't know. There's a baseball story where the Yankees signed Jose Canseco from Boston because he, Boston, Jose was killing them every year. And they're like, well, let's just sign this guy. Oh. And then they sat him on the bench because they already had guys playing those positions that they needed. They just I use him as the designated hitter or sat him on the bench because they'd rather take the threat away mm-hmm. than actually use him. Right. And that's kind of what I kind of feel like WCW did with Bret Hart. Oh, big time. You know, it's like, you know, where Bret Hart toiled on the mid card. And, and you know what? It wasn't until Vince Russo tried to make things right. That's true. Like with by putting the belt on him and Mayhem. And Bret says, I never had any great moments in WCW, but I, I love I, that moment. I, I think one of my favorite greatest Bret Hart moments is at the ACC where Agreed. he does the steel plate on Goldberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, that was a great one too. But it was like, because he outsmarts him and I just, I love that angle, the Goldberg build up. Like, 
my Brett is nowhere near as good as yours, but Brett would be like, Bill Goldberg is going out on television telling everybody that he wants a match with Stone Cold, but I beat Stone Cold every time I faced him. You know, and I was like, you did, you know, like as far as pay-per-views go, you know, not all the house shows, but but he usually did get the better of Stone Cold because, you know, in WrestleMania 13, he put over Stone Cold huge, you know, and like to me that year in 97, Brett put everybody over intentionally or unintentionally Uh because, you know, essentially people ask where, what, when did the Attitude Era start? And for me, it's that where Vince is doing commentary still, the steel cage is up from the match, and Brett comes out, and he calls out Vince as the owner, and he swears on television, and it's very uncharacter. And this is the start of the Brett flip uh-huh. uh, of Brett's heel. But I think that's where the seed to the Attitude Era started, because True. the Attitude Era was really basically ran on the fuel of stone cold versus mcmahon as that feud ran for 10 years it seemed like mm-hmm. but if brett didn't put stone cold over at 13 and then if brett didn't put over vince at survivor series by getting screwed and the mr mcmahon character grew out of that you know really brett put over both those guys before he left and then went to the wcw and they sat put him on the bench hmm. it's mind-boggling you know yeah, what's uh so how did you get into wrestling though from doing this like at what point in your life did you decide that you want to be a wrestler see now i've been signed to a three-year contract to work for wwe right yeah so it's like the contract they mailed me was a wrestling contract it wasn't a announcer's contract or what i was looking for it was a wrestling contract they sent me so of course this is my dream job you know i took it to a lawyer he's like yeah basically you're giving your life away but if you want the job that's what it is it's they own you now i'm like yeah well i do want to where this is my dream is to work here so i signed the contract but um now i'm sitting at home waiting to do something with the company and they're gonna get me a green card and i'm stuck at home twiddling my thumbs you know i'm calling them with ideas and kevin dunn and bruce pritchard were like why don't you learn how to take bumps, you know, learn how to take bumps while you have this opportunity. So at the time, Ron Hutchison had a training school okay, and I knew that Edge and Christian and, you know, Trish. yeah, tr- I'm actually the one who introduced Trish to that school. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So I'd known Edge and Christian and there was, uh, there was another, Dave Curran, he was doing announcing for them, this mm-hmm. guy who was do, a friend of mine. So he's the one who made the connection. It's like, hey, Ron, why don't you use this guy? Well, he's not being used. He's got, you know, Fed stuff going on. And, you know, he wants to learn how to take bumps. Anyway, long story short, I signed up for the school. You know, the Fed was all, okay, perfect. They, yeah. they knew Ron. So, yeah, go with the flow. And so I learned how to wrestle basically to know how to take bumps because my first segment I had, a, I had to take a bump from Owen. Right. Yeah. And then I was on the road, I was taking bumps and I'd never learned. I was taking belly to bellies from Shamrock on the road and suplexes from Regal and mankind was slamming me. And this is all stuff I'd never learned. So it's like, I got to protect myself too now. Like, Cause I was, you know, getting thrown around like a rag doll. So I learned how to wrestle and then, I just used that time period to wrestle, to, to, to train, to wrestle. And once they saw that I had learned how to wrestle, I think uh, it was about six months to a year that I'd mm-hmm. just about been training. 
they moved me to Memphis, and this was like an, a second chance. This was after the three years was almost up. Yeah. And so they, it's, it was like I was getting a second chance because, or, or they were just sending me down there to end my contract. Like they would, they did that to a lot of, that, that was either a place for a second chance yeah. or it was a place to let the guy go. And so I, I didn't know, you know, I was, because Memphis was kind of like their main feeder league at the time, right? Uh-huh. I remember when Jerry Lawler's and Bret Hart's feud was happening. They'd also go into Memphis and carry it over into Memphis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jerry was favorable in those matches, obviously, because I don't think he loses in Memphis. But right. but um, but I remember them doing stuff in Memphis as well. Uh, it seems like in the recent years, because like, well, I, I used to run into you a lot because I used to do stuff for Much Music back in the day. Oh, and yeah. you would be working the door security, uh, oh, which yeah. was always great. And then I would run into you there. And then I started running into you whenever, now that McFoley does stand-up comedy, uh-huh. uh, my old roommate, Michelle Shaughnessy, would be opening for McFoley all the time. And then all of a sudden now, I'm running into, every time I see McFoley, you're always on the show. It's always a treat to see you. Mm, but nice. uh, do you remember the night we were in Montreal just for laughs? And I didn't even know that you were going to be on the show. I went to his midnight show at the festival and uh, which was my first time seeing Mick do stand up, and it was great. I think he had uh, somebody, an English chap with him, oh, a yeah. British guy, Brendan Burns, That's maybe. Right. That's right. But you came out and you were doing your Stone Cold that night, and it was great. And since then, it, uh, you know, uh, every now and again, you know, like I think the last time was Vaughn. Maybe I saw you in Vaughn, mm-hmm. and you were doing DDP in a sketch. And I love that Mick has incorporated you into his show where he can do act out scenarios and bring you in and give you, you know, that, uh, that pop as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's fantastic. But I remember that night we're sitting in Montreal, it's about four in the morning and all the, the comics are coming into the hotel and they're using the hotel, uh, the, the elevator. And we're sort of sitting in the couches and there was you and Mick and you guys wanted to meet. And there was your Jerry other buddy, Hans. uh, the bigger guy. Oh yeah, J- uh, I J- know Jason Descato. And uh and so I see the three of you there. So I'm with Todd Glass and Todd wants ice cream, but we didn't go out for ice cream, so I remember he was pouting. But I remember the the comics start coming in. Jeremy Hotz comes in. Yeah, that's right. And you were like all excited to meet Jeremy Hotz. I was. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And Jeremy <laughs> Hotz looked at he, he he probably doesn't know wrestling because he looked at like Mick Foley and his mangled ear, and then your buddy who is a giant, and then you're looking at his four in the morning. He's like, "I'm not fucking talking to these guys. They're gonna roll me for my wallet." He just ran, and Mick did not get it. He's like, "Is is he ribbing us? Does he think that we're ribbing him?" Uh, that was weird. I had to, yeah, I had to tell Mick. I remember him like. He's very neurotic. Oh, yeah, like, that's very right. You're neurotic. the one who made it make sense because yeah. we were so taken back. By- and he might not even know who you guys are. Like, <laughs> not every- and then- he looked so afraid of us, though. But then at the same time, J.B. Smooth from Curb Your Enthusiasm comes in. Uh-huh. And he's like, motherfucking Mick Foley. Like, he was so oh, excited. Yeah. He was like, so. I forgot he was there. That's yeah. Right. Like, and he's like a superstar, yeah. you know? And it was great. And I just, I always, I'll always remember that 
that night because Jeremy Hotz was a looked like he was afraid yeah. of, to just even deal. He did. With these, I, I don't know if he was selling. Uh, still to this day, if he was ripping us or if he no, was I don't even. I, you know what? Next time I see him, I'm going to ask him. Uh-huh. He probably won't remember. Yeah, I probably won't. But he's very neurotic. Oh, uh, he is. Okay. Oh yeah, that he would totally. Make sense. Yeah. So, who is your favorite impersonation to do? Um, it varies. One of them is Andy Kaufman and Tony Clifton. I love Tony Clifton's. Oh, yeah. So let's much. do some. So, hold on. I got this. We'll do battling Tony Clifton's. Okay. okay do some Tony Clifton. Don't, 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 don't twist my noodle, Tony Poodle. What's that? You want to shoot the ball? Huh? Huh? Kaufman! I love it. <laughs> That's a really good one. I love Tony Clifton. I <laughs> Me love that too. Tony Clifton's still there to this day. <gasps> yeah, and I love that Andy kept the kayfabe yeah, forever. Brilliant, brilliant. Never realized, like, I remember love Letterman. <laughs> Letterman asked Bob Zamuda how many, one time, how many, uh, Tony Clifton was on our show three times. How many times was Andy on it as Tony Clifton? And Bob said, I don't think once. <laughs> And, and 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 Letterman's like, you son of a bitch. All these times I thought he was talking to Andy. And Bob Zamuda would do it half the time. <laughs> what a great rib. I, like everything Kaufman did. <laughs> yeah, and this is rib. what I love <laughs> is that he used wrestling philosophy. Yeah. Big time. In, 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 co- in, in comedy. Life. Yeah. And he wrestled the women. He loved playing the bad guy character. And he played Tony Clifton. But then he just let Hollywood would get upset with him. Like, stop the wrestling. Stop the wrestling. Because wrestling wasn't accepted the way it was. Like, Andy was too early for his time. Oh, yeah. Way before his time. Like, you know, nobody... Man, too early. And every year, and I've said this on a later episode, but I'll say it, I, I say it till he goes in. Every year, Andy Kaufman deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Not even charity. Not even the celebrity wing. He deserves to be in the main Hall of Fame for taking wrestling and putting it on the platform of David Letterman and taking that slap to the face, which, you know, uh-huh. he knew it was coming. But Jerry, yeah. well, you see it. He slaps him right off the fucking stool. Uh-huh. Even the pile driver was stiff. Yeah, it was a stiff <laughs> pile driver he took. Yeah. And like, I love that. It's like, Andy won't get up. Andy, Andy won't move. He, he said, get him an ambulance. It's $300. Get an ambulance. He said he'll pay for it. Get him an ambulance. It's <laughs> awesome. And then he stays in the hospital for three days in traction, even though he's nothing. He sells, sell, sell. I love that. I yeah, love that passion. Me too. And it's like, you know, half the wrestlers these days, some of these wrestlers today, you got to question the passion. Um, yeah, it's funny. I Just a side note. I it was a few years ago i wrote road dog when i found out he because we 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 stayed in touch he was very mm-hmm. good to me he looked out for me he was a really good friend to oh, me. oh you want to know <laughs> i can't even do road you dog. didn't know but yeah he was really awesome with me and so he's kept in touch and you know um, you know i guess he's gone down some tough roads and i've gone down some tough roads like we never judged each other we yeah. always stayed the cool way we were with each other so i'm happy i still have that i hope but uh, anyway um a few years ago, I wrote him the idea to, like, not just to induct Andy Kaufman, because they didn't do it. I'm going to tell about it now. Yeah. But I wasn't going to tell. I was going to try to just give. I do it. I try to give them ideas still, because I want to see wrestling do good, you know? Yeah. But anyway. Let's make wrestling great again. <laughs> exactly. But also, I want to be entertained, right? But the idea was not only induct Andy Kaufman in the Hall of Fame that year, actually invite him and have it that that's an opening part of Mania that we don't know if Andy's going to show up or not. We don't know if he's alive or not. 
I thought it was a great gimmick. I didn't even get a response to that idea. Personally, I also think it's great. Will Andy show? You know, like we don't know. What if he does too? What if he does? Mood has been making stuff up in the last couple of years. Like he's still alive. So who and knows? Then, and then all of a sudden, because there are rumors that Andy faked his death. Uh-huh. And you know, can you imagine that if like he doesn't show up, but Clifton does? Oh yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> so true. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm here for, uh, I'm here for, uh, I love that. That's uh, really good, Casey. Um, good impression. There's, so I do, yeah, I do, uh, obviously, Macho Man. My first bit was I wrote Macho, I did this bit where uh, it was horrible. It's called Homophobic Man. And it was like, because my whole premise behind this, and I used to do this on stage as an amateur which is an amateur bit. So this is one of the earliest Casey Corbin bits you'd hear where I try to use my impersonation skills. But the thing with impersonations is it's one thing to do like a short one. It's hard to keep the impersonation in a monologue or in a long form sketch. If you like, you know, that's why like somebody's like Alec Baldwin doing Donald Trump is just amazing. Right. But here's the huge. It's really huge. It's really, yeah, it's really, I can't even do it. But, (laughs) But so, so anyways, I wrote this sketch called Homophobic Man, and it was like, so basically it was like, uh, I was said, you know, you're seeing a lot of wrestlers going to the movies, but you're not seeing a lot of movie stars going into wrestling. I said, I'd like to see more movie stars going into wrestling than wrestlers going into movies. Uh, that way, maybe we can have the altercation that I'd love to see, my favorite wrestler versus my favorite comedian slash actor which would be Randy the Macho Man Savage versus Norm MacDonald. And I was like, could you imagine what that would be like? It'd be like, ooh, next week, Norm MacDonald, you're going to step in the ring with the Macho Man, and I'm going to show you as a man's man. Yeah, dig it. And then Norm would be, yeah, man's man, huh? What are you, gay? <laughs> you got to be gay. Uh, you know, that uh, you, you, you're named <laughs> after the village people there, yeah? That's a great impression there. Yeah, the village people there in that song, they know that song there in the Navy. Uh, you know, they sing that, eh? Because uh, they're full of semen. <laughs> and then that was the end of the sketch. It was <laughs> just a horrible, two average impersonations. That's so, great, though. I love it. But you're Macho Man. Do, can, would you indulge us with some oh, match? Sure. We'll go out on some impersonations. Are you cool with that? Absolutely. I'll just Always. give you some, and we'll and we'll cut some promos. Yeah, and, let's do that. And I and I might jump in on, on on like you know if you do macho, you never know who's gonna show up. Maybe macho, one of his best friends will show up. So go ahead, do some macho. We'll see. Macho man Randy Savage is really, really, really excited here to be here on Talking Wrestling. Uh-huh. Yeah, freak out, freak out. I'm feeling the madness running through the veins of the macho man. And when the madness reaches the top of my intensity, I'm going to have to drop an elbow off the top rope. Oh, yeah. Dig it. And don't forget me, Randy, of course. Your brother, Lanny. Of course, I'm always following you. I'm on your coattails. Why we have the same uh, brother, but we don't have the same mother. I don't know, Randy, why we have different names and why I'm Canadian and you're not. But I can tell you one thing, macho man. Only one of us can suck his own dick. (laughs) I put that on a Frisbee and threw it out. <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> that is That's some inside that is, information. That is folklore. No Wrestling folklore. Everybody knows 
that Lanny Poffo had the biggest unit in wrestling. <laughs> you know, I, well, I, I, I started to do impersonations just before, I mean, uh, poems just before I was let go in Memphis. And yeah. I was like, oh, I got a new gimmick. I'll do the poems like Lanny used to. Yeah. And now it's Mark Henry's. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, then I was doing uh, poems. I, it was Paul Bear was, he became char- in charge, bless his soul. He became in charge just at the right time, just near the ending of my contract or my time there. And I'll never forget, I did this poem on a huge show and I came backstage and I'm getting feedback from uh, Paul Bear. He's like, you know, you know. Lanny can do that. You know, you, you get over just like Lanny. And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you, you used to watch young Lanny? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. Now, Jason, all you have to do is suck your own dick now and then you're over. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I didn't even know the story, you know? <laughs> He's actually, I've seen him in a shoot interview where Lanny's like, well, yes, yeah, so I can suck my own cock. Like, and he talks about it. <laughs> I didn't know that. He's like, uh, that's hilarious. And he goes, often if a girl was doing a bad job, <laughs> I'd show her how to do it. <laughs> a world's smartest man. He Fuck. is a genius. Um, all right. So let's uh, do, uh, you say Paul Bear. You, that, and that was not even Paul Bear. That was Percy Pringle. That that's was like Paul Bear out of character. Hi, Jason. How you doing? You, be- you better break up with that girl because I'm telling you, you're going to wake up one morning there's gonna be a big gun and right between your eyes that girl's going to go nuts on you you have to break up with her yeah that was way have you ever done a dusty roads i do a better dustin but i could try a dustin we'll do a dustin a dustin yeah okay let me tell you something right now our truth i am dick 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 dustin runnels you piece of shit and i will kick your ass and kiss each and every one of you gold dust nice nice what about okay coming uh, up with the lingo sometimes like now um I pro now you are friends uh, with with the Hart family. Oh, yes. uh, I loved. I saw. I went to your YouTube page. Sad we lost Smith recently. It, yes, and I said that on the show. Condolences oh, awesome. uh, to Smith. Good to um, I will say, you know, he is the oldest heart, and it's unfortunate to see any of the hearts pass. But it's nice to see some, him, him pass at an old age, at an older age. You know when old people should be going like, like, like it's I not it's, it's, it, 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 it's not as, as tragic as past and previous heart passings but i uh i get worried um like i i'm such a heart fan and i love brett i but i get nervous when i see brett but let's uh let's have some can you do some brett for us and uh, maybe owen and we'll go out on that okay because it's pretty do much you, time do you mind do you, oh you want to take a phone call Okay, no, no, go ahead, take the phone call. Just real quick. That's all right, yeah, go ahead. Hello? Oh, hey, do you mind if I call you back in a minute, sorry? I'll call you back. Okay, thanks. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah, so... Um, is that okay? I'm sorry. No, no, that's I'll okay. I'll just turn down the law. I no, that's was, all right. I that's all right. the doctors. No, people at home thought that it was going to be a setup. They're like, oh my God, somebody's calling. Oh, I see. <laughs> And I, we could have kept the cave there. We're like, who's we calling? And then, have, and then all of a sudden, oh my God, Bret Hart called Jason Sensation while in the interview. <laughs> and he said, Jason, coming to Toronto soon. I hope to meet up with you. But remember, uh, 
don't put out anything publicly about us hanging out because, you know, you're my friend, but not publicly. I don't want people to really know that I hang out with you, you geek. Anyway, you're the worst there is, was, and ever will be, but I love you. Bye. Jason, can you tell him I want to crack the cardboard with him? <laughs> crack the cardboard! <laughs> I love that. I love it, too. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> um... The, uh, and, and of course, um, yeah, I, I loved it when you did the video for Lindsay Hart. Oh, and yeah. Her birthday. I love her. She's such a, such a dear friend. We, we've held this friendship for 17 years now. Yeah. My friend Matt Billen has, because Matt Billen, um, uh, who I mentioned earlier in the show, uh-huh. he posted a picture when he was seven years old sitting on the couch at the Hart house. Oh, nice. And, um, or maybe he posted a picture of him and Stu, and he's having a coffee. Seven years old, Stu brought him coffee. And uh, she's like, oh, my God, like, I was living in the house at that time. Like, you were there. Uh-huh. And so they connected, and now they become friends, because Matt was touring with uh, Jake the Snake, bringing oh, him wow. all around BC. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, but Jake Snake was telling stories about the British Bulldog, and Matt wanted to be like, yeah, Lindsay Hart's coming out tonight, Owen's niece, can you maybe not do stories about any of her uncles <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, can you not? she knows it all but still yeah yeah but uh so it's so funny because now matt has this uh friendship with Lindsay hart oh, that's awesome and i remember and like and she's such a sweetheart that's what he says and and it said she's just the best and uh he goes uh yeah so i started checking out her instagram and then all of a sudden i saw something like i saw maybe something from you posted or something uh-huh. and i was like oh she knows jason too oh, yeah. and she was like oh was jason there or somebody was one of her family members i just think that's so cool it is you know you know um, what's funny it was owen hart's funeral and i was so out of place i didn't know where i was going or what i was i was i i had no one to connect with and i was feeling alone the company didn't even bring me in they they brought everybody everybody in and i was the one employee left off of that for some reason so i flew myself down no you want stone cold didn't show up oh really Stone Cold was it, Stone. The fact that Stone Cold was not there uh-huh. was more visible than China's oh, red shirt. Oh, I see. I see. I guess maybe I was the only one not invited. You know. So, but Through I think Stone Cold was still upset about the broken neck. Yeah, I think so too. You know, um, I, I think he's always held on. If to Stone that. Cold was here, and I asked Stone Cold, why didn't you go to Owen Hart's funeral? Stone Cold, why didn't you go to Owen Hart's funeral? What the hell is that all about? Because you dumped me on my head. I mean, look at me. I was lying there like a big piece of trash. I don't forget those things. Hell, I came out to the ring. I had a cheer with the air. Now, come on, son. I don't have to go down all the way down to Calgary. I already went all the way down to Calgary. All the way down on my ass because I got dumped on my head. And that'll never happen to me again. I'll never even give a ghost the opportunity to do that to me again. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. So, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> but uh, just to finish quickly, I I was lost and I didn't know where I was going to go. Like I, I was out of my element and I yeah. felt out of place, especially because I wasn't invited. China was very nice to me, but then she was feeling out of place. So I went walking around and I found the kids. And I was like, maybe I can hang out with the kids. Yeah. And it was Lindsay. And she was just a 14 year old kid at the time, but took me under her wing as 20 year old who was lost and just walked me around. And, you know, a couple of the kids came to ask me to do Owen's impression. 
and I didn't know what to do. And it was Lindsay who sent me straight. He's like, no, just don't do it. Just don't. Because, and I wouldn't have known what to do at that yeah. time. And this kid was, you know, an intelligent young lady that really sparked a whole new friendship with me at that well, time. What were you gonna, like, you don't want to do an Owen impression. Like, get me out of this box. Oh, no. You know, like you can't I, say. I, I, won't, I won't do Owen. No, but that would have been like, mm. you know, they're like, is Owen like ribbing us from. Like was this was you giving instructions to rib us at a funeral? Like no, no, he didn't know what was going to happen, so there was no instruction. But yeah, you made the right choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, I didn't know what to do. I was in out of I, I like you're heartbroken. Yeah, the whole country so was I want to make the kid happy, and I don't know. So yeah, it was a tough spot for me to be in. I didn't know. Lindsay really set me straight there. You know, anyway, it was for me that'll be my memory of how our friendship started forever, and I feel like she's a, a, a like an an angelic gift from Owen. That's fantastic. And, and, you know, from what Matt Billen has told me and Kevin Banner, who is also friends with her, you know, Matt says, he's like, you should have, when you go out West, you should have Lindsay on the show. And uh, so maybe that might be awesome. an idea. Cause I would love to have her on. Oh, that's um, right. You would love her. She's amazing. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up and uh, we'll go out on Owen. Is that okay? All right. Hey, so I'm here with the late great Owen Hart on Talking Wrestling. Uh, Owen, how could you help me put my show over with the guests at home? Well, everybody at home, just remember, Double C Casey Corbin, he takes care of business. He doesn't bloat. He doesn't gloat. He talks, talks in wrestling, and he's going to talk all the way into your ear. All you got to do is tune in and listen, and he'll talk to your heart and your soul because he's the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be at podcasts. Woo! Owen, that is fucking fantastic. Jason Sensation, thank you for coming in today. Thank you Listeners, for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, you know, anytime we want you to come back, if you had fun on the show, uh, because the show is just all about having fun, and uh, I would love to have you back. Maybe write some sketches or something like that, or do thank some you. actually written work down the line, or even do panel shows. I have panel shows where oh, we go really? through lists of things. Oh, interesting. Um, folks, <coughs> that has been so, Talking Wrestling. I've really enjoyed this episode, uh, this issue, and I, I, I hope you have uh, as well. Um, remember, we are on the NSN Network, uh, Never Sleeps Network. Uh, check us out, uh, Twitter, TNW Pod. Jason, what's your Twitter? At Jason Sensation X. At Jason Sensation X. Thank you. That's it. Um, Unless I'm Jason Deactivation, but I'll always Jason Reactivation. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Check out his Twitter. Check out his YouTube. Uh, folks, Casey Corbin, available in all formats. Also, hit us up on Instagram, Talking Wrestling Podcast. And don't forget to email. If you're on iTunes, uh, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate it. Uh, once again, my guest today, Jason Sensation. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Casey Corbin, and I'm out of here. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.